Hey, this is Ross Payton with Rubling Public Radio. This is uh, RPPR episode 175, Itch.io. Uh, itch.io. Uh, it is a new tabletop RPG uh, game vendor. Well, they they don't... Yeah, it's a storefront. Uh, it's basically competing now with Drive-Thru RPG. If you've not heard about this, great. If you haven't, we're going to explain it. We're going to re- go through some games uh, on uh, Itch. And uh, so, yeah, uh, I'm kind of... Like <laughs> I'm so used to it. It's like, oh yeah, we maybe not everybody's heard about this. Uh so we have special guest Kyle from Best Pal Brigade. Say hello, Kyle. Howdy doody, everybody. And then of course we have David. Uh the Mon- Hello everyone. Yep. And uh so yeah, we'll be doing that. Uh we do have a bit of news first. Uh obviously, uh I'm starting up a new podcast, uh Night Clerk Radio, Haunted Music Reviews uh with my good friend burke and uh the website should be up by the time you listen to this and i uh, should be able to with a trailer and maybe episodes uh we're working on the episodes uh and yeah so if you want to uh if you by the time you listen to it, you should be able to find it on your podcasting app of choice and subscribe uh i don't know when the first episode will drop but we do have a trailer up so you can get a two-minute preview of what the kind of stuff we're going to be talking about uh so yeah if you if you're interested in vaporwave and dark ambient and dungeon synth and all these other weird genres if you've never heard of them and want to learn more nightclerk radio duck out um also also i'm just uh, floored that you've got yet another podcast ross how do you find all of the time <laughs> poorly uh <laughs> I, I am uh making questionable life decisions at this point but it's fine uh <laughs> i really like vaporwave guys uh, so we also have a, um, also if you missed our special offer on the RPPR Patreon for RPPR B-Sides, Volume 5 Gaming Games, uh, you can buy it now on, uh, our Gumroad storefront, which I'll put a link in the show notes. It's $25. Uh, it has 20 episodes of, uh, Red Markets, Delta Green, uh, plus playtests of games that are in development, including Caleb's, uh, Slingstone. Uh, which is his uh, superhero slaying game uh, powered by the same system as Upwind. Uh, there's uh, Der- Sean has a game called Derail in it. Uh, people have been like talking about it on our Discord, and they really like what they've listened to so far. Uh, so if you missed it, this will this this besides uh, is available now uh, for a mere twenty five dollars. And this is going to be the no- only we're not going to do another besides for like two years. Like this is this is going it's going to be a, it takes a while to generate the besides because uh yeah uh i do record too many podcasts perhaps but yeah uh it takes a while to generate that many b-sides uh but anyways uh, do you think it might be because we're actually getting better at this and our content is improving or is it just i'm getting lazier. <laughs> <laughs> uh no it's um a lot of it is uh, i mean the b-sides are basically games that they're good it's just we didn't they didn't quite fit on the main podcast because you know they're play tests or I just had other better games available to put on law, uh, put up first. And then uh, I forgot about them because we, we record a lot of games. Um, so, uh, but yeah, if you want to, if you're, if you're an actual play addict and you need a new fix, uh, it's over 40 hours of uh, episodes. You won't be able to get anywhere else, uh, at least for two years. Then I'll release it as a pay what you want. But anyways, um, let's move on to, the uh well actually uh kyle do you have any news for best power brigade um yeah i mean i guess i'm I'm sure people are mostly here for the rppr but if you're interested in uh original monster of the week stuff 
uh, Kat is actually uh, doing the the keeper game master role for our Tuesday campaign, our little mini campaign before we start the next uh, Star Streamers campaign. Uh, and it is Monster of the Week, and it is so freaking charming, and she's so good at it. So if you ever wanted to see Kat uh, GM, now is the time to pop on into one of our streams at uh, twitch.tv slash Brigade. It's a good time. Yep. Uh, and, I'm going to uh, have to check that out. Yeah. Oh, dude, she's crushing it. It's so good. <laughs> uh, so, uh, moving on. So, basically, uh, probably in the last two years, year and a half, um, there's an indie uh, store. It started as a basically uh, indie video game storefront. Uh, sort of, if you wanted to do really uh, unusual video games, and you didn't want to put them on Steam. Uh, itch.io or itch.io uh, whatever you want to call it um, was uh, an alternative and uh, but they started making uh, you could also upload PDFs because they're digital files obviously and so they created this whole they've been moving into the physical what they call the physical games market uh, which are you know tabletop games and um, so in the last yeah, year and a half two years uh, a lot of indie tabletop RPG designers have been publishing on itch uh, instead of or as an alter, uh, either putting on both drive through RPG and itch.io or just on itch.io, um, and uh, you're seeing a lot of ex- a lot of experimentation. It, this sort of coincides, at least to me, the the whole rise within the last two years also of the the zine movement, uh, which has been of course uh, heavily lionized by Kickstarter. Because they do Zine Quest uh, for the last two years now, uh, in February, where they encourage people to create little zines and smaller Kickstarters, uh, and yeah, but you see a lot of interesting games like uh, one-page RPGs, uh, supplements for smaller games that are very you know mm-hmm. bite-sized. We're also starting to see um, larger publishers like sort of enter into the foray. Mm-hmm. Like Itchio is actually. For a long time, I always kind of complained because it's it's very much on the record. Pretty much anyone who's ever talked to me knows that I'm not a fan of uh, One Book Shelf or Drive Through RPG in general. I feel like they have quite the stranglehold on the market. I think it's very very bad for creators. Mm-hmm. But um, not only is Drive Through RPG starting to be uh, scared of Itchio, like back in December they released like a statement that was like, "You have to release things on Drive Through RPG same day, and also it has to be the same price as wherever you sell it anywhere else." Like OBS is really starting to get kind of kind of shook up by all of this because like certain really really good uh, files are being sold cheaper on. Itch.io than they are on Drive Through RPG because Itch.io takes a substantially smaller cut than Drive Through RPG's absolutely ludicrous thirty percent. But like even nice. now, it's wild. Yeah, so like you can get I Hunt, uh, which is an excellent, excellent, excellent fake mm-hmm. game by Olivia Hill. Uh, you can get that uh, on Itch.io or on Drive Through, and and I know I bought mine off Itch.io. And uh, Fred Hicks is has within the past, I think two months maybe three months i I had the exact number uh before but uh uploaded basically all of the evil hat stuff onto itch.io so you can get it there as well now so it's not just the small indies going in but we're starting to see a lot more support from i I guess the equivalent of like double a publishers because i would consider the fate line pretty high i would say evil hat is like a mid-sized company like i mean the triple a in tabletop games would be well, it used to be Final Fantasy, you know, Wizards of the Coast. Yeah, uh, well, that's what I'm saying. Like, I would call Evil Hat double A, not triple A. Like, yeah, they're yeah. they're not small schmucks like me, but they're certainly a recognized yeah, yeah. name. 
Yeah, yeah, that's that. No, for sure. Um, and yeah, it's it's something like I know for my next RPG project, uh, whatever it's going to be, I'm I'm certainly going to publish. Uh, my my thing right now would probably be publishing to both. Um, yeah, and, for sure. Yeah, um, and as a complete non-publisher, I'll tell you. I stumbled onto it because there are certain niche games that don't get released all over the place. Um, I stumbled onto this looking at a specific gay dating sim that got backed on Kickstarter. And I stumbled into it entirely for the electric games. But then I found myself coming to Ichio and grabbing a bunch of little bitty one-page games that people said, hey, I put this together. Like uh, Honey Heist would be a good example. There's Honey mm. Heist and a lot of the clones that first started showing up on Igeo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, it, uh, yeah, it yeah. plays into that zine stuff that, that Ross was talking about before. There's, mm-hmm. there's, a, there's a dearth of content, and you see it's mostly hyper, like hyper, hyper-focused niche stuff that really wouldn't, get the exposure that it needs on drive through RPG because most stuff on, on drive through gets kind of like swept under the rug by the, just the deluge of content that gets posted there. I mean, part of that yes. I think is also, uh, itchy, you know, it like drive through RPG. You, there's just a much larger catalog, like probably 10 times as many cat, uh, uh, PDFs listed on drive through RPG than they are on itch.io. And so it's harder to, uh, and also drive through RPGs interface could use some work in terms of being able to filter and search. Um, yeah. And well, I think Ichio has got the nod on that one. Yeah. Yeah, For it sure. does. And I think, I mean, part of that is, is the, is the, um, also drive through basically people, smaller people, uh, publishers over the years have flooded the market with like these 99 cent PDFs and stuff like that. The, the um, race to the bottom approach. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah, yeah like even on drive through, they got rid of on the landing page. They got rid of the the newest content. They've replaced it with newest community content, which is only mm-hmm. stuff associated with like the the guilds and things like that, or the newest free and pay what you want. So if you want to sell a PDF for you know five bucks, you're not even going to show up on the main page unless you're already established. Like you could get most popular under five, or you're selling mm-hmm. for free. It's yeah. It's very, very difficult, and itch doesn't have a lot of that baggage. The trade-off yeah. is that it's not a very focused marketplace because you can get video games and books and all kinds of stuff there. But it's a trade-off a lot of people are seriously considering now, and yeah. it's we can see it slowly changing the marketplace. Yeah. Um, have you used it for Best Pal Brigade stuff? Uh, yes, uh, just recently because, like I said before, I wasn't sure if itch was a real competitor until. You know what happened in in December? I think it was uh, when mm-hmm. drive through started to get really really shaky. Uh, currently, we have uh, Savage Tokusatsu up on Ichio, and we're looking to put basically all of our future products and back catalog onto Ichio, uh, just to sort of uh, get it all out there. So, like, you'll we'll be putting Volterra, Star Streamers, uh, Cut Off. We'll be putting a lot of our stuff up there moving forward now. Okay. Um, so in terms of just the backend interface and stuff like that, like what, as a publisher, what, what, uh, has the experience been substantially better than drive through RPG about the same worse? Like, so having gone through this process on quite a few sites like, uh, Gumroad, uh, what is it? The open game store, uh, drive through and itch are the main four that we focused on of all of them. Unfortunately, the best backend is still drive through RPG. Like it has problems, 
but it is so much easier than than say itch like with itch you can go in, you can upload your new project, but the actual process of sort of like going through and generating the pages uh, does take longer than it does on drive through because I've managed to sort of standardize our uploads to it by creating various templates that I can just automatically apply to our uploads mm-hmm. and then modify, you know, whatever the words I need to modify out of that template for the new product is. It's not difficult but I have a sneaking suspicion that as I get deeper and deeper into itch.io, the process of like updating PDFs when we do like rule fixes or mm-hmm. add additional content, like I have a feeling that that might be a little more difficult than some of the batch editing abilities that the back end of say drive-through has. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That, yeah. I mean, drive-through does have a lot. Yeah. Because it's a more established thing. does have a lot more tools for publishers or it does have a lot of tools. I, I mean, Again, I haven't used Itch.io as a publisher yet, so uh, but it sounds that kind of makes sense. It's Itch.io is a newer platform, so they haven't as much time to develop the back end. Um, I do, I do remember seeing tweets of uh, indie RPG writers or designers wanting to be like, "Hey, Itch.io, it'd be really great if you could have revenue sharing built into the back end, so I don't have to manually pay out royalties to my uh, uh, co, you know, co-designers." Uh, because that is a feature in Drive Through RPG. You can just like give out like this person gets thirty percent of the profits of this. Yeah. PDF. The one, uh, the one thing I wish that that feature had on Drive Through was the ability to pay out to PayPal accounts. Because right now, if you do royalties, it only goes to their Drive Through account, and then they withdraw it sort of on their own. So mm-hmm. for me, who like we do some some revenue splits for royalties with some of our artists. Um, it sucks because not a lot of them have have drive through accounts. So like it's it's an extra step. So if there was PayPal integration on either platform, that would be wonderful. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh fair enough. Uh yeah, getting paid is an important part of this process, <laughs> you know, to actually um and making it easier uh is certainly a benefit. Um so I mean Itchio still has growing pains. Like it's still trying to figure out what it wants to do and like what kind of features it can add. Uh but uh, yeah, I think it's a good sign to the market that there is now someone's like, hey, it's worth to compete with this market to try and get the RPG PDF market. Um, and it certainly led to a lot of games that wouldn't exist otherwise, because I think, yeah, the the aesthetic of Itch.io uh, has created games that you would never see uh, prosper on drive through RPG. They just disappear if they were if anyone even bothered to do that. So um, basically, I asked all, both of my guests uh, to pick two games each uh, to review uh, so that are on Itch.io. So, um, I'll start uh, with a one-page RPG called Crash Pandas, and Crash Pandas is a uh, where all the players. I'll just read the intro because again, it's, it's one page. Make a raccoon. Why are you a raccoon entering the world of illegal street racing in Los Angeles? Are you a wide-eyed rookie or a grizzled veteran? Are you in this for love, fortune, fame, or justice? Are you an undercover cop? Who's your human rival? Do you know? Uh, do you even? Do they even know you exist? Uh, what's the conflict in the heart of you that spurs drama? Write a short origin story for your raccoon and give them a name. Um, and so basically the idea is all the players are raccoons and they're all working together to pilot a car in, in, during illegal street racing in Los Angeles. <laughs> Sold. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm in. About, yeah, exactly. Uh, this is from uh, Grant Howitt. Uh, and it's a game about street racing raccoons. And um what i like is that it has a very simple uh uh character creation system obviously the the entire game is on one page but the idea is um 
whenever you get to actual street racing, every player picks one of six actions, brake, turn left, right, use an item, accelerate, or do some other action. And they put that like, you know, one is break. And so you, everyone would take a die and secretly pick a number on that die and hide the die. And then we'd reveal at the same time. So all these raccoons are moving around the car doing different things. Um, (laughs) And so like, you don't get to uh, coordinate. Like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. Everyone just chooses. Everyone, the GM just says, all right, you're hitting, you're about to hit this turn. And the car you're racing is about to overtake you. Uh, Everyone pick your action. And then we just process it all at the same time. (laughs) Um, And yeah, there's absolutely no conferring. So uh, that's bold and underlined. It sounds chaotic and I'm a hundred percent here for it. Um, It's, it's really great. Um, I want to do this with RPPR on a night when we have leftover drinks. Like, Oh yeah. yeah. This this sounds like a game to put the beers (laughs) on the table and go, all right, roll or roll Mm -hmm. the die drink the beer let's see where this goes exactly no this is definitely this is very much in the same lines of uh, honey heist which was a very which got became kind of viral on the social media on the twitter um a while back we did actually uh caleb actually ran a game of that which is on rppr b-sides volume five grandpa uh, did you just call it the twitter <laughs> yes I did. you absolute <laughs> fucking boomer <laughs> <laughs> hello fellow youths what's uh, up kids i love motorhead <laughs> um so yes on the twitter um so there's an equipment ta- well, the things i like it, it, it is there's an economy of action and system like it's it's enough to get a game going if you're a, uh, obviously they have um it's you have to improvise everything there's no uh they have like one column on the right side is your equipment table which could be a, a duct tape a dog mask fake id um you know a police siren a lit cigar and <laughs> so uh etc and then of course the gm advice in the bottom right is never have an npc question the whole raccoon thing play it completely straight uh and that's it and so it like for one page pay what you want like this will entertain you all for an hour or so at least and have a memorable game um so i i mean i quite like this idea i i definitely need to do some one page games myself um I've experimented a little bit in the past on the uh, Patreon, but I haven't gotten it down to one page yet. So micro um, RPGs are so hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're so hard to design when you think they wouldn't be. Exactly, because this is a, a silly premise, but it actually has an interesting game mechanic of this idea of you're all piloting a vehicle together, but you get can't confer. So the idea is like, what kind of chaos when this car is turning left and right and accelerating, and someone's you know uh, uh, shooting a gun out the window or whatever um it's also it does explicitly say raccoons can never die uh they don't take serious damage ever um and so yeah they much like real raccoons <laughs> well um yeah so it's it's very much it emphasizes a comedic light tone um and yeah i so it's it's a fun little game and i definitely want to try it uh, uh i'm probably going to bring with me because it's one page i'm going to bring with me to australia <laughs> to uh see if i can inflict it on some people at some point i don't know um but yeah that's my first game um david uh what is your first game well i'm gonna take a slightly more serious note here um mm-hmm. i pulled up uh, beneath cursed moon which is by one of our rppr fans karius mm-hmm and it is a powered by the apocalypse, somewhat Castlevania-ish game. Like mm-hmm. Castlevania is definitely listed amongst the influences here. Um, 
I was looking at the playbooks, which are Champion, Changeling, Dreamer, Fiend, Hunter, Necromancer, Scholar, Scoundrel, Vampire, Warlock, and Werewolf. Um, basically, you are a monster who hunts other monsters. And yeah, it's it's beautiful. It's a very well put together product. I absolutely love that the magic system says that there are no good magics like every single one of the magic types that you can run into in this game have a downside um Mm -hmm. so for instance on the um let's just go for the dreamer because I figure Dreamer really fits for RPPR's aesthetic. The Dreamer is somebody who got a little bit too close to things man weren't meant to know, like Cthulhu-ish things man weren't meant to know. And um, every time that they fall asleep, they have the, um, yeah, they basically have the ability of being an astral sorcerer. You know all astral combat sorcery, and if you want to cast an astral ritual sorcery, you know it, and you don't need to find it written down anywhere, but you're also touched by another world. Um, so you have a mutation, and every three advanced abilities you pick up, you choose another one, like seeing in total darkness, um, having no need to sleep, um, being able to eat any organic material, no matter how spoiled, rotten, or poisoned, but some of those advanced abilities have that lovely uh, cost with them. Like um, every time you use commune, you can focus on an object instead of an aura. Um, there's the lure of the moon, misguided dreams. But yeah, misguided dreams is the one that just really latched onto me for this one. You can enter a trance, slip into the dreams of someone else whom you have a clear mental image of. And on a six or below, that person has a dream about you and starts growing suspicious. Like, mm. I started dreaming about you, and you had tentacles coming out of your face. Oh, you it's, kept, a, it, it's a coincidence. You kept telling me to kill my whole family. That's kind of weird, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, weird. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's see. Twisted flesh. Your body seeds with twisted growths underneath the surface. You mm-hmm. gain one armor against physical blows, but it's ignored by any weapon that's flaming or any other sort of damage. Uh, so basically, you pick the one that doesn't work, but... The downside of that one, when you get hit by an attack, you're obviously not human because nobody should have been able to take a hit like that. And by the way, isn't your spleen supposed to be there? Uh, No, I moved it. (laughs) There you go. Um, Yeah. This is is powered by the apocalypse, isn't it? Yeah, yes. This is powered by the apocalypse. It's Um, so sharp. Like, mm -hmm. I I flipped through it, too, this morning. It's so good. They did a great job. Yeah. Oh, they did. They really did. Um, one thing that is a little bit different about this one versus other PBTA games, um, a lot of the original stats are already set the second that you pick up the playbook. So, um, like the Dreamer, which I'm using as the example, mm-hmm. um, you have a blank space on battle, poke around and hunt, interview and convince, and daring action, and you could do a sign. Uh, two plus ones and two plus zeros to those moves. But uh, your knowledge is already set at a plus two. Uh, your astral sorcery is already set at a plus three. Uh, resist dark magic is at a plus two and sorcery is at a plus one. So some of the moves are going to be set because, no, if you're playing a werewolf, obviously you know how to swing an axe. Sure, sure. You know. Uh, yeah. Uh, And it takes away from the versatility a little bit. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, um, 
I think that it adds a certain amount of flavor because you're starting out with that lack of versatility, but it does lock you into the role a little bit better than some of the other games. Mm -hmm. Um, Having played um, Monster of the Week, um, I can tell you that no two people's champions are going to be exactly the same. Uh, No two people's divine are going to be exactly the same. But in this case, you have three slots to put in or four slots, depending on the playbook. Um, Like in this one, if you are playing a fiend, your knowledge is always going to start at zero and your sorcery is always going to start at zero. Mm -hmm. Um, So it takes away a little bit from the versatility, but um, for what it is, it's amazing. Like it's one of the few that I... Uh, sorry. Uh, aren't there rules about like regenerating the castle or the dungeon? Uh, I, I actually did talk to Carius about this. I think he was, uh, mentioning that, but I'm not sure. Uh, maybe I'm thinking about another game, but was there something about generating a, a weird messed up castle? Um, in it? I believe so. Um, yeah. I mostly fell in love with the equipment list and the, um, list of monsters, Mm-hmm. more than anything else um i breeze through the setting and since i've got it right up here mm-hmm. let me shut down this little cat's browser game that i also got on ichio for free <laughs> uh, sorry no it's i am fine. addicted i will i just have to say there are so many of those little bitty niche things where it's oh hey this is a free play in browser would you like to put these cats in a nice little home yes i would and then yeah. three hours later, you're like, where did the time go? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, me. But I'm, yeah, I'm, um, adventure ideas. There's a bunch of, like, three pages worth of adventures just mm-hmm. right on the list. Um, a doppelganger impersonates one of the heroes or a close friend, trying to destroy their friendships or committing crimes in their guise. Mm-hmm. A slaughter demon has made its home in the tunnels beneath the city. Um a Scylla is attacking boats that pass through its waters, and some have turned to feeding its sacrifices for its blessing. Um, all of those are just right in the thing. Yeah. Um, views of monsters. It goes without saying that the majority of people are afraid of monsters. There is no friendly demon next door, which mm-hmm. makes life a lot more difficult for a fiend than it does for, say, a necromancer. Um, magic is rare, dangerous, and sinister. Yeah, yeah. The um, one thing that I like about some of the the monstrous entries in, I guess, whatever the equivalent to like the bestiary section would be, is that like mm-hmm. when you look at the the uh, abominations, you can see like they have types, but it it's like abomination, lord, warrior, and minion. So it sort of breaks down and gives you a very quick, very immediate like recognition of like, oh. Just by being like an abomination lord, I know that this thing's going to be hella powerful, as opposed to just like a minion, which I know I'm going to be able to throw at my group in like large, large waves of of getting their ass beat. Mm-hmm. Oh yes, and um, there are some of them that are definitely like there's the flying polyp, which is abomination minion max harm two. Um, if you look at the people section, you've got civilian, hunter, and militia. So you've got two different minions and one warrior. So, yeah, um, you don't really see humans as being the bad guys. No, there's legit bad guys in this thing. There's just monsters. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah. considering that it's got its roots in Castlevania, that's kind of the, that's kind of the thing. Evil, yeah. evil, overzealous church, but also shitload of demons just everywhere. 
Castlevania you know what this... season three coming to Netflix. This oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> oh, yes. So, you uh, know what we really need here? We need a warrior of some kind. You can filter it for warriors and just take your look and go, mm-hmm. oh, I could throw in a wolf, I can throw in a werewolf, or I can throw in a minotaur. Which one fits best for what I'm doing here? So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's a very crisp product. I love it. Yeah. Um, um, I, I do know Carius. Oh, sorry. Uh, I do know Carius is working on it still and uh, might be doing a Kickstarter for it in the future. Uh, so if that happens, we'll keep you up to date about it. But uh, well, I'll back it for sure. Yeah. <laughs> like bet I'm I'm in. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Uh, so, Likewise. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving on uh, to Kyle. What was your first game? So I'm going to go even bleaker. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go with uh, Dusk to Midnight. Uh, by Riley Rethal. Uh, and it is, I wouldn't quite call it a micro RPG. It's only about 10 pages of actual rule content. Uh, it is a custom system game, D6 based, um, <clears throat> that focuses on mech pilots in a losing war. And it's, it's very vague and nebulous. It leaves a lot of the world building to you, but that's that's kind of the whole point of the game is that like there's no winning this and the outcomes for this are bad in all regards like one of the core mechanics of the game is like you only have like three or four skills in addition to like your relationships with the other people Uh, and when you choose to like sort of undergo whatever mission you want to do even if you succeed on the roll you still lose because depending on the task you're doing, you're either going to add a point of uh, disillusionment or a point of resolve. And when the first one of those tracks to fill up basically signals the end of your character. If you fill up disillusionment, uh, you basically have like a desertion outcome. You just, you're just completely done with all of this. You, you see the futility, the pointlessness of it all and you desert, or if it's resolve, then it's kind of this like ultimately futile, but like still kind of very like, uh, what's the word for like military worship, like death in battle aesthetic, uh, where now you're just like dead, dead. Um, and it's all about like the interactions between the pilots and like, role-playing the building up of these two bars and it's it to me it seems like a really good game for if you want to have a group of people come over and play a game that might not be like laughing out loud fun but like a game where you're gonna collaborate and tell us a serious story you know the exact opposite of say raccoons uh driving a car all together it's it's an excellent Hell Look, yeah. man, we we have a we, not <laughs> we have a gradient here. It goes to raccoon to gothic horror to just bleak, bleak hopelessness. Um, but yeah, I it's it's very very good. I'm a big fan of of Riley's work. She's very talented. Cool. Um, so can you tell us a little bit more about the the mechanics of how this works? Uh, sure. Or- um, so your stats are one through six. Uh, and they sort of represent your emotional attachments. Like six is, I believe, like the strongest feeling like um, associated that you can have with something. And one is like the strongest negative 
uh, attachment with it. Um, so you have uh, three actual stats, war, mech, and skill. So war is your relationship to the war, mech is your relationship to your mech, and skill is like your the special thing that you're good at that has kept you alive so far. And then you also have stats for each of the other pilots on your team. And as the game goes on, you break it across in scenes and you roll uh, you roll your die to to sort of determine your outcome. And it has mixed successes uh, from failure to grim success to success, kind of like a lot of uh, powered by the apocalypse and powered by the apocalypse like adjacent games. And and then you sort of move from there. You you take your moves like attack the enemy, be a figurehead, work with your mech, fraternize, train your skill, like all of all of that sort of stuff. And then it just it just sort of goes from there until you know everyone is either dead or deserted. Wow. Um, that yeah, actually, I I am really intrigued by this. I kind of I want I want to play all of these games so far. Um, <laughs> Do you have you tried this game actually? Uh, so we haven't had a chance to actually sit down and play it yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are planning on it because uh, you will see that I'm kind of on a mecha kick right now. Uh, oh, yeah. the, I've been bitten by it again, and so uh, my next game is also mecha related. But this is definitely one that I think I'd like to sit down and play, uh, maybe off stream, just to sort of like see see how it actually flows and oh, yeah. how it works. But like. Just from the read along, I think with the right group, this could this could really be like one of the most interesting collaborative storytelling games. Yeah, no, I really like I mean, yeah, I think one thing we're seeing with all these games is that they're very focused on a particular story experience. Um, They're not like trying to be the toolkit. Uh, here's here's a way to run a game in this genre, whatever type. It's like we're telling you one very laser focused type of story um and whether it's very silly or it's cat literally cat basically castlevania with the serial numbers not you know uh, filed off or <laughs> gundam iron circus probably or whatever the one with the child soldiers uh, <laughs> iron blooded you're gonna have to be more specific <laughs> actually yeah that's true that's fair it's all of them yeah yeah all right fair fair enough uh the sad parts of gundam which is most of it i don't know uh i'll take your word for it um so yeah that uh i really do like this in general um so yeah is, is it a, a pay what you want or do you have to is it is it free or what uh it is a paid uh game i believe let me just double double check uh but yeah uh all of riley's stuff is yeah it's it's seven dollars uh there are there were community copies but it looks like they've all been claimed right now mm-hmm. um but but for seven bucks like if you have uh, financial stability, I really would recommend it because yeah. it it does kind of slap. Yeah, I think beneath the cursed moon is also pay what you want. Uh, at least it is. Version. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, yeah. yeah. But oh, oh, that's another actually thing that I wanted to touch on about the strength of Itch.io. Um, mm-hmm. They have community copies, which is basically a thing where a creator can choose to say like, I haven't explored that that much of the actual back end, but from my current understanding, it's like a a backer or a creator could say, okay, so for like every X amount of copies sold or like a one-to-one ratio, we make this many community copies freely available. Or a creator can just be like, okay, so we're going to make like 15 community copies available and then the other ones will be purchasable. But so like you can sort of, 
do this thing where you're able to to still make your money from people who are in a position that they they can spend money on your work that you deserve you know money for, um, mm-hmm. but you can still support people that might not be in that same position. I think it's an excellent system. Yeah, I like it. Um, yeah, it's uh, certainly helping bringing games to people who can't afford them otherwise. That's a, a, a noble endeavor, I think. Um, so uh, moving nice. on. Yeah, uh, my second game is actually, uh, to be fair, I to be fair, uh, to be I, fair. I, I found out about this game on Kickstarter, but it is available on itch. Uh, certainly fits the itch. Oh, uh, aesthetic. This was actually from last year's zine quest and I got my copy. It's called dead halt. Uh, Ooh, dead I've halt. not heard of this. Yeah. Dead halt is a game about people trapped in a hotel who have to crawl through it and do missions to survive. Uh, <laughs> Which, well, wait a minute. Does this yeah. fit Ross's aesthetic? It, yeah, no. Um, I don't think so. It's a players will they'll create maintenance crew members to explore and complete jobs within a megalithic hotel. So um, this is, uh, yeah, I actually bought the print. Uh, this was a zine game. I actually backed the Kickstarter to get the zine version of it, which is a very nice scene, but you can also get it uh, now on uh itchio and so um the idea is you it's sort of an open-ended like universe multiverse kind of premise so not quite rick and morty but like you can be humans or you could be goblins or rat folk or you know basically uh robot type people and uh there you basically start the it's it but it it's a very particular setup because it's 1996 it's before y2k uh and so it's got a you know obviously very 90s themed and the the way you start the game is like everybody's at the bar uh and the bartender asks you oh would you like a drink or something to eat you know and as the players fill in their id cards for their their members and then they as they generate the characters the bartender asks you all questions to sort of figure out you know to sort of establish everybody and where they are and then the bartender once everyone's done with character creation um and they have their id cards uh then he offers you a job and you go through the elevator and you wind up anywhere. Like the idea is every floor of the hotel could be a separate universe or whatever. Um, Yo, yeah, this, but, this rips. I'm looking yeah. at the page right now. This absolutely rips. I love, I love like the art style. Oh my God, Ross, you picked a winner. Yeah. Uh, it's got a simple base uh, DC, uh, uh, D6 system where you roll a pool of D6s and you're looking for fours or better for successes. And, uh, yeah, and the number of successes you get determines how well you do a thing, whether it's fighting or skill checks or whatever. Um, items are all weird. Uh, you can get different mods to upgrade your character. Um, you can use magic. Uh, so it's you know it's it's a big fantasy thing. Uh, there's a interesting chart for buying different things uh, for gold. So um, you know everything from rabbit's feet to soul necklaces and be kind rewinders. Uh, does yeah. this game have a gotcha machine i'm looking yep. at the gear thing they have a gotcha yeah. <laughs> and i'm so here for this yeah exactly so yeah you, you just randomly you you spend your gold and you get you make a roll on a 3d6 table uh to see what you get um and but you can also find mods in the things that are basically cybernetics um and yeah so but the yeah, it's got a cool. Wait, you art. can find cybernetics in the gotcha machine. Ah, dang! I was hoping I would get a be kind rewinder, but now I've got a cyber eye. What am I going to do with this? N- well, the mods are a separate thing from the gotcha. Oh. Uh, yeah, but oh. um, 
yeah, you can you can get dynamite or guns or magnets or any kinds of fun things from the gotcha machine. Um, but uh, yeah, you you um, have uh, a lot of interesting choices in here. Um, and the adventures are just basic, uh, you know, go do a mission for the jo- guy. Uh, so like Duran gives it, for example, Duran gives the crew a, a map of a overlanding trail on floor 71, find the whereabouts of two missing hotel guides. Uh, uh, and then, so you have to go to this floor and find these two missing people. So it's basic RPG dungeon calling type, you know, basic stuff in terms of the mission and the structure, but like the aesthetic is very cool. Um, and like the art style that, uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, yeah, got a very zine aesthetic. Um, now, to be fair, I also backed this at the luxury level, where I also got a soundtrack, which the writer had the the head designer had done um, uh, a year uh, before he started the game. But it's you know got it sort of a vaguely EDM slash vaporwave feel to it. And now, also, why on earth would you back that, Ross? I can't think a, of one reason. Yeah, yeah. All right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I, I also got an art zine, like they did little sketches and sent that to me. They also their cream of the crop, though, was that they sent me a three and a half inch floppy disk with an exclusive adventure on it. So I had to get a USB <laughs> no fucking floppy way. disk reader to, in order to get this fucking adventure. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah. Um. So it was very extra. So I, I, I also want to run this at some point. Um. I don't know when. Uh. But it, it's yeah. It's it's on. It's 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 uh, creating its own kind of story. Um. And it's it's more, you know, it's just like, hey, let's get together, throw some dice, fight some monsters, get into some wacky shenanigans. The story is very, you know, um, oh, it was, the hotel start was started at construction in 1888 and then it continued on. And then they built this an artificial AI in 1984 called Fortra, but then it disappeared. And then, uh, yeah, it, it's just. Uh, this huge impossible. Yeah, I get kind of a Doug Douglas Adams vibe to it a little bit. Um, just you know, with magic as well. So, yeah, no, I I I quite enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's uh, I just had to I had to get it. I, I it's very much a mega revolt for me. This hole was made for me. Um, but yeah, it's definitely not what I'm trying to do with Ruin. Although they they both take place at magic hotels. So, uh, <laughs> God damn it, bro! Uh, it's fine. You have you have passion. I, I think I think that's a good thing. Yep. I, I honestly think that this one was one that was made for Ross because I, as I'm sitting here listening, I'm just kind of ticking off the mental the Ross checklist. checklist and going <laughs> yes, 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 mm-hmm. and yes. The only thing it doesn't have is Cthulhu Mythos, but I think that I kind of heard shades of Carcosa in there. We can find a spot for it. I it mean, opens to it a in. multiverse. Yeah, no, it's not. It's it's a fantasy adventure game. It's not horror, but like you can easily throw in those elements because the they specifically say, yeah, have have them go wherever you feel like. It's a, could be uh, the world of Dean. Throw in adventures from other role. It specifically get, advises you to gre- steal adventures from other systems and run it in this. Um, so, like, go do nice. this. Yeah, go do this spell jammer adventure. Uh, basically, um, yeah. So. Yeah, no, it's 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 a fun little thing, and I, I like it. I like its aesthetic, and uh, uh, it's not on my top priority of games to run, but it's certainly on that list of games to run. Because um, yeah, it doesn't seem like it would be very hard to. Because again, all these also almost all of them use d sixes. Uh, there's there's I think a lot of it. Almost all ever uh, there's a 
strong preference towards very simple d6 based systems um i think that definitely ties back to to like the not only like accessibility because it's like you can just open a board of monopoly and get the d6 to play these games Mm -hmm. i think that like ties into the community copy thing that we were talking about and just like the general itch.io to me is very much a marketplace for creators that are staunchly anti d20 like they want you to try (laughs) other games and it shows all over the design of these games yeah definitely i okay yeah the 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 community copy being making uh emphasizing accessibility and ease of play uh versus getting special dice uh i i can see that but yeah also yeah anti d20 yeah uh, I think there's a strong like I haven't seen there. There's nothing on itch.io like these like we you mentioned the guild programs earlier, which is uh, for those that are not aware, like it started with D&D, <sighs> but it's moved on to a lot of the bigger publishers are doing like, oh, here, we'll license out our, our settings so you can write adventures and we'll take half of your money. But Give you us 50 percent. Yeah. Or 40%. Like, and but- also all of the rights to what you create. Like the Genesis Foundry was mm-hmm. like, yeah, anything you put here, even if it's your own creative thing, that's ours now. Like that belong. that's RIP. Thank you. Because it's like, well, but on the other hand, you can make money by publishing official Forgotten, well, not official, but like using Forgotten Realms uh, material <sighs> because, uh, or Vampire, or there's just a dozen different systems doing that now. Man, if you want to do a whole episode about about like the the hazards presented to the industry by uh, like the guild programs, count me in because this is something that I've researched a lot and have a lot of words to say, but don't want to derail the episode about. Oh sure, uh, that's a good idea, uh, listeners. If you want to hear that episode, uh, let us know in the comments. Uh, or in our discord and i'll certainly keep that in mind uh because yeah examining that what kind of content's out there do people actually get a good rate do they get paid adequately because obviously at least with D um you're getting in front of a lot more eyes so you might justify the the atrocious royalty rate uh but yeah uh, yeah that's definitely worth an episode to examine um but moving on uh david what is your second game well, it's not a second game as much as it is a second part to um, an existing game. Um, I found myself looking at different playbooks for uh, Masks, which is a lovely game by Magpie Games about a hero team coming together. You basically play teenage superheroes. And um, somebody put out a playbook for The Flux. Um this is one that just really, really called to me just because as I started to get into it, I started to see that somebody basically took body dysphoria, which is experienced a lot by the transgender community, and basically weaponized it in terms of a superhero. Um, I thought that it would really fit with uh, masks because of the fact that um, you don't have any specific powers like most superheroes do. Yours change over the course of the day because every time somebody views you differently, you will f- your powers will shift and you'll have something entirely different. Um, you have two aspects, one of which that is always locked into place, uh, whether it's your pronouns, your name, your costume, or your body, and one of them always changes whenever you access your powers. So one of those will always shift. And when it does, you go from being able to, say, have telekinesis to 
now I'm invulnerable. Um, I went from invulnerable to elemental control because I changed my costume just the right way. It's, I think that it's a very nice playbook. It's really something that fits into the theme of masks and the whole, when you're a young hero, there's a certain amount of self-discovery that kind of goes with that. You learn where are your lines, um, you know, like Batman has been around for ages and pick a Robin, any Robin, they're going to hit a point where they're going to go, no, that's Batman's line. Mine is over here. I'm less likely to beat somebody up just to get information out of them when I can actually talk, which is a big theme of masks. In this particular case, it's um, self-discovery weaponized, which I absolutely love. Having played a couple of masks campaigns, I thought that this is one of the ones that, or this is a niche that just wasn't filled in the original book and um it's a very nice crisp layout i love it cool um is this also pay what you want or is it uh, uh this is also pay what you want okay. um it's uh two pages because it is just a playbook but um one of the things that just kind of jumps out at me on it is um they added an extra line of condition because most of the young heroes don't die no matter what, you know, you if you fail a roll, um, you're going to have to mark a condition. So everybody has afraid or angry, guilty, hopeless, and insecure. But this one has dysphoric, which is a really awful condition because all of the others have a minus two to a thing. And this one is shift down all 10 plus involving using your powers. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Um, you just can't do anything right when you've yeah. got the dysphoric kicking in. Yeah, yeah. And to clear it, you have to drastically change something obvious about yourself. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's it feels like it's going to be a hard playbook to play, which is kind of the point. Um, yeah. Do you feel that it's like respectful of this sort of thing? I the do. Playbook? Um, I really do, because... Um, just to get right into it, um, every character, when you mark all of your potential and you advance, one of the big things that you can do is you can unlock your moment of truth. And in this particular book, the uh, moment of truth is where you get to call upon all of the conflicting and contradictory pieces of who you are and embrace all of the you at once. And when you do um, and robe yourself in this emporia, you are or euphoria, you are thoroughly, thoroughly empowered. You have full access to all of your aspects and all of the powers that you have used at any point in time for just one shining moment of achievement. So the big moment of truth for the character is taking all of the pieces and making them all work at once. And at that moment, you are the strongest hero in the setting. So mm -hmm. it's... I think it's beautiful. I think it works. Um, I kind of want to see how it goes in play. Um, I've been sitting and looking at it for a couple of days now, uh, just trying to figure out when is the next time that we're going to play Masks and who do I want to hand this book to and say, hey, do you think you can do this one justice? Mm -hmm. It's, yeah. Cool. Um, is I this, mean, I, so, yeah, was this done by uh, the same person who did Mask? Do you know? Um, if you want to look it up, we can we uh, and get back. 
Yeah, I uh, do not believe it was the same author as uh, Masks. No. So uh, it's, yeah, I, I, it's entirely a fan creation. Oh, it's a fan creation. Okay, so mm-hmm. um, that's it. I wonder if the what the the mask developer uh, has like if they've like said, oh, please do this, or doesn't know about it, or uh, what that situation is, because like um, uh, based on what I know of Magpie Games as a whole and uh, what I know about the itself and the way that it reads i think that this is something that magpie themselves would embrace like right. it's it definitely fits within their um mo it's not a case of um oh how would i word it it's not a case of hey white wolf we're going to embrace all of these wonderful social justice things and vampires thoroughly thoroughly bad Right. No, no. Well, yeah, but yeah, we, like we were just talking about the guild program, uh, the DM yeah, guild program is... for drive through. But like, yeah, like if someone had to go through, because I know when we got our license for uh, Monster of the Week, I think we might be one of the only licensees for Monster of the Week. But like, there was a whole process that we had to go through to like talk to Michael Sands for that and stuff. So, do you think that this is like officially licensed, or is Masks like uh, OGL Creative Commons? Like, is there something like that to it? Um, I don't think that there's any OGL just because it is kind of a smaller thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that this is a fan creation that they would be able to get behind. I love it. All right. Um, no, cool. Yeah. And yeah, like small, again, smaller content being released on HEO is uh, always very cool. Um, and so, granted, uh, it's not the one that I immediately thought we need to find, which is a bunch of raccoons piloting a mecha. But yeah, yeah. it's. <laughs> I also want to play a bunch of raccoons piloting a mecha now. Well, oh yeah, yeah, no, no. We'll, uh, uh, well, they were, well, the raccoons are street racing, but now I kind of want to do the mashup of uh, uh, Dust of Midnight, uh, uh, Crash Panda edition, uh, and we'll see how that goes. <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, Kyle, what's your second game? Uh, my second game is, uh, like I said, I'm sticking to the the mecha. Uh, stuff uh i chose beam saber which is a forged in the dark uh mecha game basically it Mm -hmm. it's by austin ramsey and i believe uh it is going to be going to kickstarter uh early march and it is pretty damn cool (laughs) um so, like I said, it's forged in the dark, uh, which means it comes with a variety of playbooks, tags, you know, like the the roll a pool of D6, pick the highest one system that Blades in the Dark is, is sort of known for. Um, and the, the PDF that I have is just the playtest document right now. I believe it's version 0.5. Um, so there's like no graphic design. There's no interior art. Uh, actually there is a little bit of interior art, but it's few and far between and none of it's like really colorized or anything like that. Um, but the actual system itself for me as someone who has long struggled with like how to make a mecha game fun without it just being completely like eh, fuck rules or without it being like mech Zeta, where it's like, here's 3000 rules you need to run your robot correctly. Uh, I feel like Beam Saber hits what what you know, powered by the apocalypse and its derivative systems like Forked in the Dark, uh, are good at. Which is, here's a little bit of rules, but a lot of it is like common sense and narrative stuff, and I'm super duper down with that. Me too. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
yeah i i do like seeing more forge in the dark games there 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 have been a couple that have popped out um you know bands of blades uh scum and villainy um mutants of the night i believe um and yeah but like uh getting to see like mecca it does seem a really good fit for that system it um, works it works so well like they have they have the two basically like tiers of play, like the pilots and the vehicle scales. Um, and it's really flexible with like how you can build your mecha because it's a lot of like tag based stuff. But really, it, it doesn't have to be a mecha game. There's a lot of like love letters to giant robot stuff in here. Like there's plenty of like Gundam, Transformers, uh, Macross references. But like it's not in your face or anything like that. And a pilot can sort of drive or operate really any any machine that requires a pilot is considered a vehicle in this game so like you can do super robots realistic robots or you can do a game completely devoid of mecha elements and have it be like you know like a tank starship you know truck if you really want it's it's super slick it's super sharp and uh, overall i really like it and i think that there is a good amount of differences within the system that make it distinct from blades in the dark or say like a scum and villainy, but uh, not so much that you have to like, like not so much that blades in the dark players will be completely in the weeds when they're reading it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm looking at the sheet, right, uh, the page for it right now. It does look really cool. I do also. Yeah. How much does it cost Ross? It costs $3,000. I think that's, uh, I don't think they're being, I think they're saying we don't want to sell it right now. Uh, that, that's what happened. So it was 30 bucks, uh, and, and people kept buying it. And so eventually the dude, like just recently was like, please God, stop buying it. Please buy it on Kickstarter. Please God. <laughs> Um, but if, uh, so the way we got it is, uh, we shot, uh, him an email through whatever the, the channel that he wanted it was. And he was like, you know, if you do a podcast, if you do a stream, hit us up and we'll hook you up with the, uh, the beta copy. So that's what we did. Uh, and so we're going to be running uh, beam saber on our stream, uh, sometime next month when it's live on the Kickstarter. And I'm super excited because no one in our group, uh, except for me, has really played any Forged in the Dark stuff. So I'm very excited to introduce it to them. Yeah, uh, after running Scum and Villain like six or seven times now, it's a, I really like the system. It's uh, super, super sharp. Yeah, I love it. It, it is. I actually realized, though, by looking at Beam Saber, um, I re- I've actually had an idea for an RPG for a while, and I realized now, just now, uh, as we're recording this, what that Forge in the Dark would be, be the perfect system for it. Uh, and it actually would be a giant robot game. Well, it would be not just giant robot, but also kaiju. And like the idea. Hell is, yeah. But the you idea sh- is that each player is not a giant robot or a kaiju. All the players are all just the human sized people who support the giant thing um oh. so like uh maybe one person is the pilot but maybe it's not maybe it's a godzilla situation and like so one person is the the kid who uh, the the bonds with the 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 giant with the guy. giant monster yeah and then i love that. the scientist and then one person's the secret agent uh and they're all like dealing with the threats that they can deal with because you know oh no the bad guys have this giant this this godzilla killing weapon you need to go deal with them oh these aliens are invading our government and like blah 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 so like the whole thing is supporting a giant monster which is obviously what is the squad or 
you know, uh, that's what I like about Forge of the Dark is that like every player is part of a larger whole, which has its own character sheet, you know, like in Scum and Villain, it's your spaceship, in Blades in the Dark, it's your gang, in this, it's your squad, uh, in Beam Saber, it's your squad. Your squad and, yeah, and yeah. like you have your forts similar to your hideouts from Blades in the Dark. Like yeah. it's it's very I'm very excited to sit down and run it because I feel like it's it's a hefty document. Like it's like mm-hmm. three hundred and sixty pages. But yeah. uh what was it like? I wrote the numbers down like only about two hundred and fifty pages of that are rules, mm-hmm. with a large chunk being the playbooks. And then a lot of it also just being stuff like, oh yeah, I play Blades in the Dark. Like I know these rules. Yeah. So so it's actually a pretty easy uh, learning curve for people who have played games like this before. Mm-hmm. And and then you can sort of just make your own fluff as necessary. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, now now I just need to go start writing. <laughs> like, oh, I'm working on Rune. Oh wait, what about a new RPG? <laughs> Definitely that yeah. meme of the guy looking at the other girl, like, oh. That that is that is something that I am intimately familiar yeah. with. Every designer. That idea you've been working on for five years versus the idea you had just now. Um, oh so, my god! Yep, it, the, yeah. the struggle is real. But um, I think that yeah. So in in conclusion, Itch.io is a land of contrast. It is very interesting, um, and there's these are just a small sample of the hundreds or thousands of games on there uh, in the physical games uh, category, and new stuff is being uploaded every day. Uh, and we'll do if you like if you all like this uh, as a listener, uh, let us know. We'll do more itch.io surveys of uh, games, both one page supplements and, uh, you know, whatever Forge of the Dark or Powered by the Apocalypse games we can find or whatever else. Um, but uh, when we come back, we'll have shout outs and anecdotes. And we're back. Uh, I don't know what vaporwave I'll put on there, but I'm definitely putting vaporwave on there. Um, it sounded very, very mm-hmm. vaporwave, yeah, yeah. Ross. Yes, was, yeah. I, was, I was really feeling it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. did good. Definitely, did good. Uh, you definitely heard. I ha- I've already chosen the music. I didn't. I don't choose it in post production at all. <laughs> it definitely wasn't a three second pause. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Um, we actually don't have an anecdote this month because uh, I've been so busy <laughs> recording stuff, uh, and I don't want to spoil games that I'm about to post to the uh, RPPR. So uh, we'll we'll have some in the future, but we do have a bunch of shoutouts. Uh, first off is Pop Team Epic, which is an anime <laughs> series. Uh, it's on Netflix. I, I just want to let people know it's on Netflix. Is it on Netflix now? It is. Yes. Oh no, <laughs> glorious HD. Uh, it's each episode is like 12 minutes long. It's just a giant shit post of anime tropes and f- stupid gags and jokes. Um, I love it. It's 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 beautiful. Uh, you don't need to know anything. Well, if you know anime tropes, and even if you don't, just watch it. Just just fucking watch it. Um, it is glorious. It is quite glorious. It's pretty damn funny. <laughs> um, but you both have uh, been watching another series on Netflix and uh, David. We have no- novel as well. Ooh, we have. Yeah. Oh yes. Um, so there's this uh, little series that came out a while ago called uh, Lock and Key, mm-hmm. and I stumbled across it at um, our local Friends of the Library book sale, where the local library, in an effort to raise money, uh, they will take some of their older books that they can't really keep on the shelves, and they just 
basically sell them for cheap. You can go in and get paperbacks for 50 cents, hardcovers for a dollar. If it's a book that's in slightly better condition, like they bought a crap ton of the latest Stephen King when it came out, and now they only really need to keep two on the shelves. You can pay like $3 and get one of those. Um, I stumbled across volumes one, two, four, and... Well, yeah, it was one, two, four, and one other for lock and key. And um, they've just been sitting on my shelf. I read through them, really enjoyed them, uh, found the missing volumes online. And now that it's come out as a Netflix show, uh, yes, it's on Netflix too, Ross. Um, I've been sitting and reading my way through the graphic novel while watching the show, trying to see just how much it matches up. How much does it match up? Um, I would say about 80%. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. Um, there's quite a few things that they can't do as well, and uh, some things that were a little bit problematic uh, that they yeah. don't do as much like um one of the major plot points in the beginning is the whole fact that the family is relocating all the way to key manor the Locke family um due to the fact that the father uh was shot by one of his students he was a school teacher and it was a friend of the oldest son now in the novel in the graphic novel uh you see the shooting very, very much so. Um, in the show, you see the aftermath. They kind of move away from that, almost as if we've had a lot of really crazy shootings in recent history or something. I know, shocker. <laughs> but yeah. at the time, it was it was shocking for the sake of the comic, and I think it was well done in the comic, but it's something that we don't necessarily need to see in the show. Um, there's other bits to it as well. Um, for instance, one of the keys, because the whole premise of it is that there is a house that is full of doors and full of magical keys that will do different things. And so some of the keys we don't see as, um, how do I word it? We don't see them as graphically done as they would be. Like there's one that you can stick into the back of your head and turn it and take the top of your head off to filter memories out. And you don't see it quite as visually in the show as you do in the comic, but that's also a, I think that's more of a medium thing. Like the medium doesn't reflect it as well between what we can draw on paper versus what we can have actual actors do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that that's adaptation is always a thing. I've been enjoying it. Like it has, it has like a very uh, low, low key magic aesthetic that mm -hmm. that I, I sort of am into. Um, it's it's been very enjoyable. In fact, like my my next one was going to be uh, one of the the creator Joe Hills. I was watching one of his other shows, and because I watched that, uh, my next shout out, I started watching this and. Both stories have problematic elements, but but I've enjoyed both both series is enough. And I'm on like the last episode of Lock and Key right now. And if you have Netflix, it it kind of like tell me if you agree on this one with me. But it kind of feels like it's almost like a kids like a a, a kids like horror show 
but then very, very quickly we'll snap to like, oh, some horrid shit just happened real suddenly. And then, oh, I guess we're just moving moving back to watching this precocious child run around his house. Yeah, that, that tracks out. Yes. Yeah. And um, <laughs> it has I, some aesthetics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It does. <laughs> and has to be said, too, um, I agree with you that there are a lot of problematic elements, but... I don't think that any of them are in there just for the sheer sake of we need to put this problematic element in. Like every one of them that's in there is well done. It's um, how do I say it? It's not a case of we're going to get this guy shot just for the sake of drama. Uh, We're not going to do this because we need ratings for this particular episode. Every single problematic element we run into is in there for a specific reason. Mm hmm. Yeah. Um, no, I I, I uh, haven't read, watched the Netflix adaptation myself, but have I have read the graphic novel or a good chunk of it. So um, I'm definitely interested in watching the show. Um, and with your recommendation, I, I'm even more so interested. Uh, so if I get time, I will. Um, but moving uh, on, uh, Kyle, uh, what's, what's up? It? Yeah. Uh, what, what we well, I, I guess I'll go first. We'll keep it in in line with Joe Hill. Um I was looking for something to put on in the background while, while I was doing some like graphic design, and I came across uh, one of the goofiest titles for a series I think I've ever seen. And I was like, okay, this has to be terrible. I'm going to put it on. Uh, it was called NOS4A2, uh, spelled like a license plate. So like NOS, the number four, A, and then the number two, Nosferatu. And the description of it, it's on Hulu. Uh, the description of it is so fucking buck wild that I thought that I was having a fever dream because it's like a girl with the magic power to find anything that's lost contends, <laughs> contends with a car vampire man that takes abused children to a horrid world called Christmas land. I was like, what the, f- what the fuck? And it's also called Nosferatu. Did you really say a car vampire man? So the dude's the dude's like a vampire, but his vampire fangs are a car. <laughs> it's really good. I, I know it doesn't sound good, but it's really good. Uh, I've actually heard of this series. Interest. I saw the trailer for it, and it, it is uh, the most Stephen King thing Joe Hill has ever done. Uh, Joe Joe Hill loves because like both Lock and Key and Nosferatu are set in massachusetts this motherfucker loves massachusetts as much as stephen king loves maine yeah they it, by the way joe hill is his son so yeah for, the- oh, for real <laughs> yeah you didn't yes. know that no yeah, yeah. yeah. shit uh, <laughs> the key is not a stephen king thing because it's like the yeah uh, but like if at least from the graphic novel but the but the fucking nosferatu sounded 100 percent like a stephen king novel premise like, it it's so so weird but like yeah. It has not a very appealing like, magic system. Yeah. yeah. Not only does it sound Stephen King, it sounds like old Stephen King, like on drugs Stephen King. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, yeah, I'd that, recommend it. It's on Netflix. It's like 10 episodes. It's, it's, uh, I think it runs on AMC. Check it out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, next up, uh, actually, I'll give a shout out to something that Kyle's in. Uh, mm-hmm. the, uh, our Pack South uh, 2020 uh, Railery. Video game special where we played <laughs> Xbox indie games. By the time you listen to this, this will be on YouTube. Uh, and basically for a while, at least part one will be, uh, we played really dumb video games that our friend got on his Xbox, uh, his Xbone, and uh, 
We were we they were, were terrible. It was so were, bad. They were amazing. They were art, Kyle. How Ross, dare you? Ross, you were very, very drunk. I, I feel like your memory it. might be hazy. Well, I have the video record now, and they still look amazing to me. Uh, uh, I, I... <laughs> <laughs> snip, snip, motherfucker. Snip, snip, Ross. Snip, snip. Uh, so yeah, that that was uh, uh, excellent. Um, yeah, David, uh, do you have any? Uh, yeah, you had another uh, shout out. Well, uh, kind of, sorta. Um, I just wanted to say that um, thank you to all of the fans who have been with me throughout all of 2019 and the really shit year that it was. And um, I've got a shout out to this lovely little convention. Perhaps you've heard of it. The uh, best four days in gaming. And uh, I am actually going to be able to attend again this year. So (gasps) I am am looking forward to hanging out with everyone that I possibly can. And because you all know that I have that lovely insomnia, I will not sleep. So early birds, night owls, um, I'm going to be hanging with all of you and I am thoroughly looking forward to it, even though it's only February. So yeah, uh, we all awesome. That's great uh, news, man. Nice. Um, so, uh, Kyle, do you have another shout out? Uh, yeah, I'll keep mine. I'll keep mine quick, uh, on Netflix. If you want to check out uh, a very fun, pretty cute, uh, animated series, that's like sort of post apocalyptic fantasy ish. Um, check out Kippo and the age of wonder beasts. Um, it's, it's really, really good. I think it might be the person who did, uh, demonia, but I might, I might be wrong on that front. Uh, mm-hmm. but it's, it's very, very good. It's about a, a girl from like an underground borough who gets stranded above, above ground in this like overrun, highly mutated world. Uh, it's, it's very, very fun and sweet to watch. And, yeah, Kat and I watched it, uh, sort of binged all the way through it, and I, I really enjoyed it. Nice. Um, uh, I like it. Uh, so I have one more shout-out. Uh, False Knees, which is a webcomic about birds. And it's not it's a four-panel gag strip, but it's very nicely drawn. They're very pretty birds, uh, and they say and do silly things. And uh, if you like birds, uh, and uh, if you like funny things, it's it's... It's funny here. I'll just post a link here so you two can take a look at it. Um, but yeah, it's um, yeah, uh, I like it. Oh, that's <laughs> oh wow. Incredible. I actually really like the art style. Oh, yeah. No, they're very well drawn birds. Uh, they're excellent birds, Kyle. It's like um, a nice kind of almost like watercolory, but with like hard outlines. It's really cool. Yeah. But okay, that the... just puts me in mind of a there's a game that we played. It was a board game. Oh, dang it. Now I'm going to have to find it. <laughs> Uh, are you talking about Wingspan? Yes, that yeah, one. Yeah, mm. yeah we talked about it on the podcast before. It's a, uh, it's a very excellent. It's, it's the best bird-based uh, board game out there. Uh, but uh, Falsy is also the, the origin of that meme where there's a smaller bird singing, then the crow comes in and overshouts him. And oh uh, shit! Yeah, you're, you're yeah, definitely yeah. right. This is that style. Yep. Uh, it's somewhere in there. But anyways, these are silly birds. They do silly things, and uh, I like it. So. Um, any other shout outs for either? Um, since we're on a Netflix jag, I just wanted to point out that a really cute anime has made its way there. Um, are you guys familiar with cells at work? Uh, I am. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. The first season is now on Netflix and I'm waiting for them to put out another one if there isn't one, but I know that the manga keeps on going. So, all right. Yeah. Uh, if you want to see some cells. 
at work. That that's it. That's the premise. They're 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 anthropomorphized, but they're cells in your body doing work. Uh, and the platelets are just yep. the platelets are made of cute guys. You got to yep. see the chest for the platelets alone. Well, there you go. Um, but yeah, uh, I think that's enough shoutouts for this episode. Uh, <laughs> Thank you all for listening. Uh, I am at Ross Payton on Twitter. Kyle, how can people find you on the social medias? Uh, I I am primarily the one on at... Uh, oh, sh- how the fuck have I forgotten what our goddamn Twitter is? Oh, yeah, who's the boomer now? Uh... Look, I'm young. I don't care about things. That's what makes me cool. Uh, at BPB Games, facebook.com slash BPB Games. Uh, if you want to come and hang out with us, uh, we were trying to stream a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot more, sometimes tabletop, sometimes not. Uh, we played the quiet ear with people on Friday uh, over the stream and viewers got to participate in it. We made just the worst setting I would never want to live in. I loved it. It was so much fun. Uh, that's twitch.tv slash best pal brigade. One word. Um, yeah, it's it's really cool. We're, we, we hope to see some of y'all soon. Nice. Um, David uh you got anything to plug uh in terms of your uh social media or anything like that um i don't really do as much of the social media thing Mm -hmm. you guys can find me easy enough i'm the only david dobelman out there i think Mm -hmm. um well you're on the rppr discord though so yeah oh yes look for me as the mauve hand yeah. Uh, so if you want to ask David questions or uh, uh, join the RPPR Patreon so you can join our Discord. We've got a great chat there uh, and a great community. So, um, yeah, that's something. Too. Oh, it's huge well, and it's wonderful. Yep. yep. Um, mm-hmm. Anyways, uh, thank you all for listening to this episode. This has been episode 175, Itch.io. Uh, and uh, yeah, uh, we'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye.